Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that finds its way into every corner of the property world and shines a light when it gets there. And today we're looking at a part of the market that's been big in countries like the US for a while and is now coming to a suburb near you the suburban built-to-rent sector. There are 5 million private rented households in the UK. 63% of those tenants live in houses rather than flats, and over half of them live in suburban locations. Built-to-rent investment has predominantly been focused on multifamily schemes in city centres across London and regional cities, but now we're seeing that emerge more into the suburban markets. Institutions have changed the way that they look at residential full stop over the past decade very significantly. This has been really moving that way. Because it's such a large part of the UK's market, it makes sense to us to now try to influence it. And there are issues with it. There are you know, problems with it. You look at the market and you think we can play a useful role here. We can make things better. I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm joined by three people steeped in the UK residential property investment market. Piers de Winton is a director in the Operational Capital Markets Division at Savills and is a specialist in UK residential investment. Piers, welcome back to Real Estate Insights. You were on about three years ago, was it? That's right, Guy. Yep, good morning. Excellent. Nice to see you again. Uh, Rebecca Truman is an associate director in that same Operational Capital Markets team. She advises on large-scale residential development schemes, amongst other things. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. And David Reed is Managing Director of Suburban Build to Rent at Legal and General. And he's been investing in residential and commercial real estate for more than 17 years. Hello, David. Morning. Good to have you all here. Let's start perhaps, Piers, with you. And without wanting to be sort of too simplistic, and a a bit of new readers start here. Um, What is Build to Rent and why is it so important? So, Guy, built to rent is, in its simplest format, effectively what it says. It is homes built for predominantly for for rental product. Um, so there are some some minute sort of design considerations to to consider, uh, and uh, it is it is it is built for rent but in this country. We're fundamentally talking about you know big investors putting a lot of money into it. It's not like buy-to-let, for instance. We, we're talking big scale, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're talking about institutional institutional investment in in residential build-to-rent. So, Rebecca, the, you know, w- what sort of a market is it? You know, where is it? How big is it? You know, how important is it at the moment? So, at the moment built-to-rent investment has predominantly been focused on multifamily schemes in city centres across um, London and regional cities. But now we're seeing that emerge more into the suburban markets. Yeah. And when you say multifamily schemes, does that, does that mean basically flats rather than houses? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And is this something that you know happens in other parts of the world a lot as well? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, there are other countries like the US and Germany, for example, who are uh, ahead of where we are. The, the market is relatively nascent in, in, in the UK. Um, and as Rebecca rightly said, the focus has very much been on large scale blocks of flats, multifamily, uh, but single family suburban built rent is definitely here now, Guy. Yeah. So, David, let's bring you in because you're the investor side of this. Mm. And I guess that's going to be quite important. Uh, You know a lot about build to rent. How long have you at Legal and General been investing in in build to rent as an overall concept? Well, at Legal and General, we've been investing into build to rent for probably about seven years or so. So we've invested very heavily into the urban build to rent market already. And I think it's partly as a result of the success of that, 
that we've started to invest into the suburban market. Yeah. yeah. And when you say you've started to invest in it, does that mean you started to look at it or you've actually started to put money no, into we've, it? No, we've, um, we've been looking at it for quite a while. So it's taken us, it's taken us a, a bit of time to analyze the sort of macroeconomic side of it. Why do we like it? Do we like it? Do we think it's going to work for us? And I, th- I suppose over the last year, we've been building a team, looking at lots of deals, many with Savills, and we're pretty close to closing some now. So that's the that's the idea for us, yeah. And Piers, that aside from David, uh, is he an exception to the rule, or or are there a lot of other funds like like David's that that are looking at this? No, he's uh, he's not the exception to the rule. Um, Legal and General being one of the one of the pioneers, but there have been others as well. Uh, so there are there are there are a number like, for example, Goldman Sachs, who who acquired quite a significant portfolio, uh, operational, so income producing, up and running, um, with tenant. Uh, with tenants portfolio uh, at the beginning of this year. Uh, And that really changed the market overnight because there hasn't really been a significant portfolio at scale that has traded uh, of of, of income producing assets. Uh, And the number of other institutions and pension funds have um, have made uh, much, much Wanted uh, launches into into the market, and uh, I think we'll see significant investment in, in in years to come. If I'm honest, uh, when we started talking about build to rent, we should later than when David started investing in it. To, to be fair, you know, for the last year or two, we've been talking a bit about build to rent on real estate insights. And my first thought was, why on earth hasn't this happened before? We've got a housing shortage. Uh, there's money looking for homes all over the investment community why you know it's such an obvious thing so so why you know, why now for the suburban part of it i get i get why the urban bits have it, but why now for the suburban part of it i think that companies like sigma have very much led the way in the suburban built to rent market to date and off the back of their success i think a lot of other investors have become interested and also over the last couple of years we've seen rental growth go through the roof in compared to sales values and yields have also compressed um, considerably making it a more viable opportunity for both investors and developers moving forward and also the uk's housing crisis where we're lacking about 50,000 homes a year. Um, So I think everyone's seeing that those key metrics are contributing to um, the growth of suburban. So David, that's you know, what Rebecca's saying is really interesting because there are a number of different things to unpick there. Mm. And some of them are long term and some of them are shorter term, right? So Let's just quickly rattle through a couple of them. She's she's talking there about other people investing in the market. Is that yeah. important to you? I mean, do, do you? I, I don't know whether it's a comfort blanket or or, or 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 something like that, or whether it changes the dynamic of the market yeah. the, to have others doing it as well. Yeah, it, it, it's good to know that other people, uh, other institutions, feel the same way. I think Legal and General as a group's been investing into the housing market for a long time now, and across lots of different types of tenure, we've got a real interest in it. Um, so for us. You know, there's a question you asked earlier on: Why, why now? Why suburban? Why now? I think you know institutions have changed the way that they look at residential. Full stop. Over the past decade, very significantly, this has been really moving that way. So for us, we look at it as a sort of natural evolution. It was, if you like, not necessarily easier. It's just a way to start was to to look at the urban market, um, trade into that, perform, do well, see that it, see that it works. And then this is, you know, because it's such a large part of the UK's market, it makes sense to us to now try to influence it. And there are issues with it. There are, you know, problems with it. You look at the market and you think we can play a useful role here. We can make things better. Um, And this is all well-publicized stuff. So I think for us, 
it's nice to know that there are others looking at it. Perhaps it would be easier if there were fewer because it makes life more difficult. But, uh, but ultimately, I think that's a good thing for the for the customer um, yeah. because you know hopefully we can we can build ultimately better quality homes for rent. Yeah, and the other thing Rebecca was talking about is is more the sort of what I I imagine is shorter term. You know, just financial dynamics of yields and rents mm. and and uh, you know land values and all uh, and all yeah. that sort of thing. You know, you're you're building houses you're not investing in something which you can nip in and out of in a year or two presumably that matters a lot to uh, you. that's a lot to us so that's one of the most important so for for us so we're a, we're a, uh, a long-term holder patient capital we uh, are looking to to build and buy these assets and manage them for the long term so for us it's stunningly important that we uh, that we are the, if you like the not the guardian but we we control uh, and we can help to shape, manage, and improve communities over time. So for us, we're a long-term patient capital holder, and being able to not nip in and out of these um, is is something that we think um, plays to our strengths. Good. Sure, but but uh, you know, uh, an uptick in yields for one year is not something that's going to drive you in no. or out of the market. No, no, no. For us, it's a long-term play. This so we look at the, the the macro side of it and think, you know, this is something that we can invest to. At, partly because of the size of the group as well. When we take a, a position in something, the, the notion is it needs to be something that we can invest well into over the long term. What about the dynamics of this of this market, this suburban market, rather than the urban market? You know, for for everybody involved, obviously for investors, but also for developers and like, are, do, do people in it have to have to sort of approach it with a different mindset at all? Uh, yes, yes, they do. I mean, and, and sort of stepping back from it all, if you if you look back at who rents in the private rented sector in in, in the UK, so there are there are five million private rented houses in the uh, households in the UK, and of those, sixty three percent of those tenants live in houses rather than rather than flats, and over half of them live in suburban locations. So you know most of the most of those renting in the private rented sector live in suburban locations in housing, and what they want is good quality housing, close to schools, close to amenities like doctor's surgeries. Schools are very important, close to good transport links. Mm. Um, And, you know, we're seeing the design and the location of these schemes uh, led by house builders and master developers in particular uh, meet those criteria. And and that's where the capital is being targeted. And what are the advantages, you know, what are the advantages over urban? It's probably, it's a false dichotomy. I think that's the first time we've used the term false dichotomy on real estate insights. But, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, David and his uh, colleagues, competitors, whatever, <laughs> in the market aren't saying, well, it's urban or suburban. But, but you know, what are the advantages of suburban over urban? Yeah, good question. I think it's uh, pro- there's probably two key factors there. One is... Uh, tenants tend to stay for longer in in housing because generally speaking they are families with with children their children get into the local schools um, and the the second reason is that you know rental growth in 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 these locations uh, tends to have been pretty positive over over the last few years so and so um, you know and, and the supply of housing the constraint of the supply of 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 good quality single family housing is um you know is 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 very obvious as well yeah uh, and rebecca the the there must be there the, the must be risks as well right the, 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 because you know, if it was that if it was that easy everyone would be doing it and you know the opportunity for returns would be lower etc 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 so you know it, it sounds great but but what are the potential pitfalls do you think 
Um, I think one of the hardest challenges for investors in the market at the moment is actually accessing the opportunities um, because of the current strength of the residential for sales market. Um, house builders are quite often holding on to their stock. They don't want to do forward sales um, and don't necessarily need to de-risk a significant proportion of their pipeline. Um, so I think the challenge is accessing land um, and planning opportunities. And therefore, I think we'll actually see more um, opportunities coming to market over the next couple of years as as the sales potentially cools down. You know, I, I'm not sure I've ever done an episode of Real Estate Insights, which has talked about the residential, the residential development market, rather, you know, not house prices in, in London or whatever, without it sort of coming down to it's the planning system's fault, you know. I, I and I am I I do fully understand that 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 it, there is a big problem with the planning system, but is it really all the peers, all the planning, you know, the the lack of of movement that has been on on this, the lack of building that, you know, the houses that we need, is it really all the planning system's fault? I wouldn't entirely blame the the planning system. I think the you know Rebecca's absolutely right. The 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 the, cha- the main challenge here is that there is a huge uh, there's a huge amount of capital that's chasing very little product, and you simply cannot go out and buy a um, a thousand two thousand unit portfolio, which is um, which if you read. Um, the, the sort of press releases of, of a number of these institutions who are who are launching funds that's that's what they're trying to do at the very very least so they're actually having to dig it out of the ground so they're having to work with house builders master developers uh, developers themselves and to to acquire the stock so that's the main constraint is that you 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 have to you have to really agree partnership agreements or some sort of strategic framework with uh, with those who are developing the product so house builders or master developers David, how how big a development are, uh, are you looking at? What sort of number of units are you, uh, attracted are you attracted to? For us, we probably want to be at somewhere between fifty and maybe one hundred and fifty to two hundred, something of that order. It depends on the location a bit, guys. So it's it's important to get the location right. Less than fifty becomes more challenging for us. Yeah. Um, and as Piers said, it's 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 partly just being able to negotiate these deals as they come through. I, I think. There's been a huge amount of interest in the suburban build-to-rent market over the past 12 months. There's a lot of groups like us um, interested, big institutions chasing it. And as people are talking about, it's not as straightforward as just saying, well, I want to go and buy this off the shelf and I'll have a thousand units and I'll be done. Thanks very much. It's really, it, you've got to be a bit patient about it. It takes a while. And there is a, it's, it's almost like there's a turn in the, in, the, in the sort of housing market, the way that national builders are now viewing this. And in fairness to them, they've only been really looking at it at scale for twelve months, so it's it, it's it's not a long time if you look at the in the broad picture of housing development in the UK. Yeah, I was talking to a house builder uh, in the in the Midlands who they have about four or five regions, uh, and you know they're building you know fifty properties on a development and they were saying one of the fundamental problems is if you give all the planning permission to people who are building a thousand two thousand properties on a development they can't sell them all very quickly because they you know they can't sell them all in one go then you're better off having i don't know 10 developers building 50 houses each instead of one developer building uh, the maths are wrong but you know what i mean does something similar apply david on in, in in this market that is part of the theory you can accelerate delivery on sites there's a, you can only build so many homes for sale on a big site in one year. You can put other competitors onto the site, but ultimately there will be a point where competitors think, no, no, you've got 300 homes on this site, we can't sell them all. But if you put out a tenure that's to rent, 
obviously it's not the same market, so you can build those homes more quickly. So from the point of view of government looking at acceleration and everybody being interested in that, this market definitely plays into that. There's a role for this to play over time, and it's only the first year that it's really got cracking at pace, albeit some competitors had been building previously. I think we could talk about this for about three or four hours longer, but um, as I think anyone who's ever listened to Real Estate Insights knows, we, we, we tend to think that a, a commute is about 20 minutes and that's about, right, about the right length for a podcast. So perhaps we should stop and, and move on to our relatively new feature, which has replaced the Savile Standout set. Tell me something I don't know, which sort of opens it up a, a bit more. It doesn't have to be a, long. It's just a little nugget of information, a little thought that might sort of elucidate things. We'll go around the table. We'll start with, on my right-hand side, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Tell me something I don't know. Um, so our Savile's research team has estimated that should our suburban build-to-rent market grow to a market share of 35%, um, that being institutionally managed schemes, um, there may be an opportunity for investors to allocate over £230 billion into the sector. £230 billion. <sighs> That's a lot. <laughs> it seems like a lot anyway. <laughs> Piers is now so stunned. He probably hasn't got an answer. Piers, tell me something I don't know. Um, well, this goes back to partly to what we talked about earlier, but in the 12 months leading up to May 2021, so during the period of, of the pandemic, rental uh, there were rental falls in London, Manchester and Birmingham, so city centres, um, and they were between 1% and 8%. Whereas in England, excluding London, there was rental growth, which was about 5%. And in Cornwall, it was about 10%. So rental growth. Wow. David, tell us something that we don't know. So this is a bit off tangent, but um, uh, the building research establishment a few years ago put out a piece and it said that the cost of poor quality housing to the NHS every year could be as high as two and a half billion pounds. So one of the things that I think we're interested in here is 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 institutions playing a role to make these homes and communities safer, healthier, um, better, more socially sustainable. And in doing that, obviously that that may play a part in in reducing the cost of the NHS. But I think poor quality housing um, is uh, is something that we need to address in this country. Maybe we should get David back and do a whole episode on that subject. Thank you very much for that, everybody. Thank you uh, for your time and thank you for your wisdom as well. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want to delve deeper into this topic, you'll find the spotlight on suburban build-to-rent report on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. You'll find all sorts of other insights there. You could while away many hours uh, delving into the depths of the property market on that website. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.